This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. So I just want to share with you a few thoughts before we go on and enjoy the beautiful day out there. Um, I want to actually continue with this message of generosity. I know typically on Mother's Day I do more of a traditional Mother's Day message, but I felt like it really fit uh, within the generosity series that we just started. Um, So one of the core values of Impact Church is giving generously. And typically, as soon as you hear the word giving or hear the word generous, most people think about money. Uh, But today, I actually want to take a different spin on it. And I want to talk about having a heart of generosity, having a heart that follows after Jesus, having a heart that reflects our Father. But um, I'd like to say this, that some of the most generous people in this world are mothers. Who would agree with me? Okay, man, you'd better put your hand up, okay? It's Mother's Day, okay? <laughs> um, I, for those of you who know me, I like to do these little definitions of, of words, and so I actually found a definition of the word mother. Um, so you can see that's how it's pronounced. It's a noun. Uh, here comes the definition of it. One person who does the work of 20. <laughs> For free. <laughs> there you go. And uh, some other synonyms, multitasker, unconditional love, or saint. Those are all words you can look up in the dictionary, and you'll see pictures of little moms sitting there waving. Uh, but that uh, I just want to give a, a, just a big thank you to all the mothers out there. But if you think about it, um, mothers give up of their time. They give up of their sleep, their money, their food, their priorities, sometimes even their own desires and dreams. Uh, and they do this because of the love they have for their kids. They rejoice in the success of their children. They see the best in them. They're some of the best cheerleaders in the world. Have you ever been at one of those awful-sounding recitals where all the kids just sound terrible? But you see the moms going, that's my baby. That's my baby over the house. My, my, my baby. You're like, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, mothers are awesome cheerleaders. They're just amazing people. And uh, without mothers in this world, I think it would stop. Well, actually, it would stop. <laughs> Quite definitely. Um, that, I'm, that was very deep. I'm really glad you sat down for that one. I just, that just clicked now. That's amazing. Uh, But as a mother, you learn to love, you learn to correct, to teach, to encourage, to coach, to nurture, to listen, to support, to help, to release. The list goes on and on. A mother has so many job descriptions. There's so many things that a mother does. But I think if anything, they display this heart of generosity. Because really, we could go on and on and on about all the different things that a mother would do. But I think, if anything, I want to say thank you today for your time, for your dedication, for your sacrifice, for your heart of generosity uh, to those around you. You're you're nodding at me, Jeff. Are you taking this in? Thank you for your motherly, uh, no, okay. He's like, oh, oh, you're thanking on behalf of Rachel. I get it. Um, (laughs) um, But thank you for being so into it. That's awesome. Um, But I want to talk to you today about this heart of generosity. And although this message relates directly to mothers, of course, it relates to everybody. um, Because it's not tied to or limited to mothers or a particular age group or or culture or time. Um, But I, I will say this. The word generosity affects our time our talent, and our treasure. But I think it actually goes beyond that. I think generosity is something that we choose to live by. 
It is an attitude in which we choose to view life. And so this morning, I just want to tap into a little bit about what that heart of generosity would do for us. And first of all, I want to say we serve a generous father. God, our father, is a generous God. John 3.16, probably the most well-known verse out there. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. You guys are good. (laughs) First service are like, ah, gave. Um, But yes, God so loved the world that he gave. Our father in heaven was so generous that he actually gave the most precious thing to him. He gave his son for us so that we could have eternal life. But then when we look at the life of Jesus, he lived a generous life. He gave of himself all the time in every situation. And ultimately, he gave up his life. No one took his life from him. That's one of the most powerful truths we can realize, that no one came and took his life. Pilate didn't have power over him. The Romans didn't have power over him. The Jews didn't have power over him. He actually possessed all the power and all the authority. And he said, I'm going to lay my life down no one can take it. In John 10, 17, 18, it says, therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. We serve a generous Savior. The Holy Spirit is generous. He uh, is not limited to one person or one place, but he pours his presence out wherever he's desired, wherever he's welcome. In um, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it actually is directly quoting the book of Joel. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days. How many know we're living in the last days right now? We're in those days right now. It says, in those days, in our days, it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He's not limiting himself to just specific people in specific places around the world, but he's saying, if you desire me, if you would welcome me, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And as you can see, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. So it's talking about how he wants to empower us to live this life full of the spirit, full of power, full of the very presence of God in us. So when we look at God our Father, when we look at Jesus, when we look at the Holy Spirit, they reflect this generosity in the very nature. Think about the nature of God. He is generous in his love. He's generous in his provision. He's generous in his forgiveness. And it just hit me this week, even when you think about the word forgiveness, to forgive, it's about giving, to forgive someone their sins, to forgive someone what has been held against them. So the very nature of God is to forgive and to give. So he wants us to be partakers of that divine nature. He wants us to live like him and to love like him. Here at Impact, we call it live love for short. Live like Jesus and love like Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. The forgiveness that he gives us is free and it's accessible for all of us, but he says, don't just take it in. I'm forgiving you so that you can forgive others. So he's saying, take it in and allow that life transformation to happen in your life. But then what God wants from us is he wants us to literally reflect the nature of the Father, to reflect the nature of the Son, to reflect the nature of the Holy Spirit and be generous in our hearts and not hold on to the grudges of those that have done something against us. But he wants us to forgive just the way he forgave us. Um, So I want to look at this heart of generosity today through the lens of a woman named Mary. Now there's many Marys in scripture, but the one I want to talk about today is Mary of Magdalene. Um, She's mentioned 14 times in the Gospels, um, and from those different references, we can get a a pretty good glimpse of who she was and what she did. Um, In eight of those 14 passages, 
She's mentioned in a group of women, so it lists off a few names, but her name is always listed first. And uh, there's always a meaning to every detail in Scripture, so I like to dig into that and look at that. And I just came to one conclusion, that Mary was a keener. She just wanted to be in on everything. So wherever there's listed, like, oh, there was these people and that people, and then Mary. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I could just see her photo, photobombing every situation where she's like, oh, here's Jesus and Mary. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, and Jesus went over here and Mary, uh, right? Because she was a keener. She just wanted to be around him. And we're going to see why, because when we look at her life, we see that she was forgiven much. God had set her free. God had delivered her, and she literally left everything and dedicated uh, her life to walking with Jesus and helping take care of his needs, as we're going to see in just a minute. But I want to read to you the first time she's mentioned is Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. And this uh, passage actually is entitled, if you look in your Bible, they, you know, they have those little titles and it says, Many Women Minister to Jesus. I think that's a really neat thing because typically we read about how he ministers to us, how he ministered to people. But in this passage, it actually flips it around and it says there's a group of women, Mary, the photobomber, who was always the first one mentioned among that group, minister unto him because she had a heart, a generosity. So it says, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of whatever, uh, Herod Stuart and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So here we see a very unusual thing in Scripture. It's not about what Jesus is actually doing for them anymore. It's saying that this group of women literally followed him to provide for him, to provide for the group of disciples out of their substance. So Mary, what we do know about her is that she was from Magdalene, which was a city not too far away. It was just a few miles away, but it was a very wealthy city, um, a very prosperous city. And so we can kind of assume from this passage, seeing that she can provide for Jesus, that she was probably a wealthy woman, um, probably had, had a good job. But the interesting thing is that the moment that she encountered Jesus, she literally left that life behind. And she said, that doesn't matter to me anymore because Jesus gave her something that money couldn't buy her. He gave her freedom and he gave her a new life. And so from this moment on, we see that she literally leaves that behind and comes and follows him. So I want to share just a couple of thoughts with you guys today. Um, and the first thought is this, a generous heart is a free heart. A generous heart is a free heart. When we truly encounter the freedom and the liberty that Christ has for us, we cannot help but be generous. And that generosity is reflected in the fact that we are free. And it's, it's amazing with God because he doesn't set us free on conditions. He literally says, my forgiveness is yours. Grace is yours. Healing is yours. And you are free indeed. And so what we have to do then is to come and walk out that freedom in the way we live like Jesus and love like Jesus. But a generous heart is a free heart. And even though Mary was a dignified woman, we can only imagine that she was a woman of wealth and influence and, and dignity. But when she first met Jesus, think about it, she's known in scripture as the woman who had seven demons come out of her. That's, I don't know about you, but that's not a nice nickname. 
Um, I don't know about you, but that's not the way I would like to be remembered or called. But we read on to see that it started, there was an encounter that started this moment where Jesus literally came and he set her free from those things that had plagued her. He set her free from the patterns of her past. He set her free from those things that had held her in a certain stigma before. And once she was free, it changed something inside of her. It changed her heart. And we see this generous heart because a generous heart is a free heart. Can I say it like this? Many people today struggle to fully serve Jesus because they feel bound by their past. They feel like their identity is in what they've done or what's behind them. But can I say this morning that God wants you to be free. Jesus, when he gives his forgiveness, when he heals us, when he delivers us, when he sets us free from all that baggage, he wants us to be completely free. And he, I know Cameron uses this phrase um, here and there, but I love it. He says, you know, Jesus doesn't see people from their history. He looks at them and sees their destiny. And that's what Jesus did that day. He saw a woman that was broken, that was plagued, that was not doing well, but he looks at her and he saw in her this woman that he already knew was going to be one of his closest followers as they went on. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Think about that. That's kind of a funny statement. It's for freedom that he set us free. But the Bible uses these repetitive words to say, It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Now stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So he's saying freedom is yours, is what he's saying. He's providing freedom for you, but don't go backwards. Don't go back to your place of slavery. Don't go back to your place of sin, but allow the freedom that God gives you to become a place where you stay and where you live and then where you move forward from. And so don't be bound again by the yoke of slavery. See, Mary could have easily slipped back into old patterns. She could have easily gone back to her old lifestyle, but instead she became one of the most devoted women and disciples that followed Jesus around, whom she loved so much. So she was um, grateful, not just for her physical healing, but I think for her mental healing, for her emotional healing. There was something that happened the day that she encountered Jesus that changed her life forever. And she literally could never go back again. Uh, John 8, 36 says, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And what this woman had experienced was literally that kind of freedom where it's not just a little teaser. You know those ones where it's like you think something's good's going to happen and then it's not. Uh, but what Jesus was saying is you're free and you're free indeed. You don't have to go back to bondage. You don't have to be a slave anymore to those things that have plagued you. But whom the son sits free is free indeed. She's a wonderful example of how a free heart is a generous heart. My second thought is this. A generous heart is a grateful heart. Um, Mary was always named first among this group of women that traveled with Jesus, right? But these grateful women became generous women because all of them had had an encounter with Jesus who changed everything. And so they gave up of their past. They gave up of their possessions. They gave up of everything, and they gave their time, and they devoted literally their lives to going around and supporting Jesus and these disciples. Think about this. Jesus was on the road all the time, right? He walked and he traveled and he, you know, they walked from here to there to there to there to these different regions. And there was always people following him and crowds following him. And they tried to get away, but then the crowds would follow him. And, and then he'd administer some more. And have you ever stopped to think about what 13 men on the road would look like? 
without women? I think they were in serious trouble. And it was probably out of pity that this group of women said, let us feed you something other than craft dinner and Mr. Noodles, okay? And so they probably said, you know what? You guys need help, and we are here to minister to you. And so this group of women literally came around them and said, we're going to minister to you as you minister to others. But can I say this? A generous heart is a thankful heart. They didn't just take this freedom that they were given and, go, and went, okay, good, off you go, see you later, thank you very much. But instead they said, okay, because you gave to me, I'm going to give back to you. Think about it. The crowds followed Jesus because they wanted him to minister to them. But Mary was different. She followed Jesus because she wanted to minister to him. Can I say a generous heart? is a grateful heart because of what you've done for me because my life will never be the same I'm going to follow you to minister to you can you imagine what the world would look like if we all thought that way that okay I've been given something now my task is to give it away because you know the awesome thing about God as soon as you give it away he fills you up so that you can give it away and then he gives you more so that you can give it away Because it's the heart of generosity that is in the Godhead. It's in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are all givers. And when we truly learn to tap into and reflect the very nature of God, then we become givers as well. Not just of time, talent, treasure, but our heart adapts to this attitude of generosity. Why is it that we could bless a a wonderful woman in our midst today? Not because we have to beg and plead, but we have a wonderful heart of generosity in our church. Because we realize that we're not here just to take, but we're here also to give. And so it's awesome to see. And Colleen, for those of you who, who weren't here, uh, she stood out by the car and, you know, she was a, a mess to say it nicely. And she had no idea this car was coming that we just presented her with. And it was absolutely awesome. But she said something very profound. We kind of all gathered out there. She said something very profound. And she said, this is incredible. I'm humbled. This is amazing. But guess what? Let's do it again. There's other people out there. There's more needs to meet. And God is just waiting for a people that actually really grasp and understand that the heart of generosity is not to say, I need to get, get, get. But it's to say, okay, God, I just want to be a tool. I just want to be a vehicle. I just want to be a person that you can flow through. So come on, bring your blessings because I'm not going to keep them all to myself. See, I think God is just scanning the earth, looking for people that are not going to hog all his blessing, but people that understand that when he blesses us, he does it because he wants us to give. And then he'll bless us more so that we can give more. There are more needs to be met. There are more people that need to know that they're loved. There are more people that need to see the compassion of Jesus Christ in action. Can I say a generous heart is a thankful heart because of what he's done for us. And may we never, ever, forget what he has done for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18 gives us this little formula. That's an awesome formula for life. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the suggestion of God for you in Christ Jesus. that what it says? It actually goes so far to say this is the will of God. So if you're struggling, what's the will of God for my life? To rejoice, to pray, 
and to be thankful. It's literally a formula for life. Because you know what I think happens is when we rejoice and we pray and we're thankful, God gives us more things to rejoice about. And then we pray and we trust him and we're thankful. And then he gives us more. And it's this awesome cycle of life that he wants us to live in. And can I just define that it doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. Because sometimes we come as Christians and we think, okay, well, now if I'm a Christian, then everything should just be perfect and work out great. And all the circumstances should just be perfect all the time. And sometimes we hear messages like that, that, well, if you're a good Christian, nothing bad will ever happen and nothing challenging will ever happen to you. But can I say this? God wants to teach us in our circumstance to rejoice, to pray, and to be thankful. Because even in our circumstance, God is working on our behalf. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So in your circumstance, God is working on your behalf. It doesn't say in this, in this verse that every circumstance work out great for everybody that love Jesus. It's actually saying that in all things, God is working on your behalf. So how about we switch our prayers from why God, why me, why this, why that, to saying, God, thank you that in the midst of this, you are with me. Thank you that in the midst of this, you never abandoned me. Thank you that in the midst of this, you're giving me the strength and the courage that I need to face my tomorrow. Thank you that in the midst of this, you have supplied all my needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you that in the midst of this, you can give me the wisdom I need to know the next step to take. I think our society would look very different if we remembered that what God is asking of us is simply to rejoice in him, to pray always, and to be thankful. A generous heart is a thankful heart. My third thought is this. A generous heart is a loyal heart. The next time we see Mary mentioned, Mary Magdalene mentioned in the Bible, is at the foot of the cross. So she has now followed Jesus. It says she went everywhere that he went and ministered, and she ministered unto him and and was providing and taking care of him and the disciples. But think about this. In this particular moment, the crowds who were cheering him on just days before have all dissipated. They've all abandoned him. Even his disciples, his most loyal friends, ran in fear for their lives. Only one disciple stayed, John. And everyone else dissipated except, guess who's at the foot of the cross? Mary of Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Joanna. They're standing at the foot of the cross because something had happened inside of Mary where she said, he set me free. I am, he never left me. I am not abandoning him now. I don't care what they do to me. I don't care if I'm in danger. I don't care if they mock me. She completely disregarded the cry of the crowd that said he should die. He's not worth anything. He's not who he said he was. And she says, I know. I know who he is because he changed my life. You can tell me all day long that he's not the Messiah, but I know that he is because of what he did for me. And I honestly think that she didn't give up on him in his worst, most undignified, horrific moments because he didn't give up on her when she was in her worst, most undignified, horrific moments. When everyone saw a woman that was in despair, Jesus saw destiny in her and came and set her free. A generous heart is a loyal heart. 
a heart that is not swayed by what other people think or what circumstances dictate or what this culture tells us to think about Jesus. A generous heart says, I'm sold out for you. I'm sold out for you, and there's nothing that anyone can say that would make my heart sway. A generous heart is a loyal heart. Luke 7, 27 has this powerful verse. It's talking, Jesus talking about another woman, but it's about this woman who also was loyal to him, who was washing his feet, and we're not going to go into that story. But they're criticizing this woman and basically wanting her to go away. But Jesus says this, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, so she loves much. To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. When we're forgiven much, we love much. See, Mary of Magdalene knew that that one moment with Jesus changed her entire life, so she said, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the one who set me free. I'm loyal to the one who gave me my freedom. But Mary didn't stop there. She didn't just stop at the foot of the cross. When everyone else left, so Jesus now breathes his last, he dies, and, and now it's over, right? So the, the guards come, they, they stick the spear in his side, and he's dead, okay, so he's gone. So now the last few of the people, the stragglers that have been there, they take off and they leave. And guess who stays? Mary. Because a generous heart is a loyal heart. She said, there's no way I'm leaving now. So she sticks around and they ask, can we take the body down from that cross? And so they take the body down and, and guess who prepared him for burial? Mary. They lay him in the tomb and it says Joseph later in the tomb. And then it actually, if you read the scripture, it says that Joseph left. But guess who stayed outside the tomb? Mary. And Mary, the mother of Jesus. It actually says right in the scripture that there they were sitting outside the tomb. I personally think that she stayed as long as she possibly could that day until someone probably had to go and shoo her away. And then she goes, and I believe she was the la probably the last one to leave the tomb. But you know the awesome thing is, guess who was the first one to come back to the tomb? Take a guess. You guys are so good. <laughs> that was awesome. John 20 verse 1 says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, can I put into context that it's still dark? The sun starts coming up about 5.15 in Jerusalem. So she was up pretty early. Okay, that, that's pretty eager to me. Like most of us are like, uh, 5 o'clock? Who is awake at 5 o'clock? Anyhow, um, but Mary says, I need to get back there. I need to go back. I need to go back to that tomb. And so while it was still dark, she gets up and she runs out and she goes over to the tomb because she just has to be there. See, a generous heart is a loyal heart. So it looks like everything is lost. It looks like he's dead. It looks like nothing else was coming, but there's something inside of her called hope. And she said, he talked about something else happening. And I don't want to miss it. I honestly believe that she was sitting there going, I don't want to miss this moment. He talked about something. It looks like all, it, it's all over. But I know because of what he did for me that he was the Messiah. I know that he is who he said that he is. And he talked about that this was not going to be the end. So I believe that Mary got out of bed that morning and she ran to the tomb and she says, I want to be there just in case. I want to be there if something happens. And guess what happens when she comes to that tomb? She can't wait to get back because her heart was loyal. So what happens is my forethought, a generous heart is always rewarded. So she gets to the tomb, 
And the the rest of that verse says, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. At this point, she's confused going, wait a minute, what's going on? He's not here. Tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. What have they done with him? Because she knew how much they hated him and wanted to get rid of him, right? So she runs back and she tells John and Peter and she says, I don't know what's going on, but the tomb is empty. You need to come see it. So it says in scripture in John 20 that John and Peter ran back to the grave. They go inside, they look around and they go, we don't know what's going on. So they leave. Guess who stayed? You guys catch on so well. Mary stays. So it says that they take off, but Mary stayed. And let's see what happens in John 20, verse 11 to 16. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Then he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that she was, he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. So she's so loyal. She's going, I don't care where you took him. I don't care how I'm going to do it, but I, do, I need to get him back. I need to know where he is. Would you just please tell me where he is, and I'll go get him myself if that's what it takes. And here's probably one of the most beautiful moments ever. Jesus said to her, Mary, that familiar voice. Can you imagine in that moment, her heart just leaping inside of her going, I know that voice. He has spoken my name before. When I was in the pit of despair, he spoke my name and he set me free. Now the same voice is speaking, I believe, tenderly to her. Mary, a generous heart is a loyal heart. And because of her loyalty, she was the first one on the face of this earth, the only and first one to receive the greatest news that humanity has ever received, which is that Christ, Jesus Christ, is not dead and not in the grave anymore, but he is risen from the dead and alive today. Of all the people on earth that Jesus could have chosen to reveal himself to, he revealed himself to Mary. A generous heart is a loyal heart that doesn't give up when it looks like all has failed. It doesn't give up when circumstances don't make sense, but a heart of generosity is a heart of loyalty. Can you imagine how her heart was lifted from utter grief to explosive joy in one second? At the mention of her name. See, some of us get so trapped in our grief over our circumstances that we lose sight of what was promised. And more importantly, sometimes we lose sight of the promiser, the one who gave the promise in the first place. See, at this point, she had already experienced freedom, but she didn't want to let go of the promiser. And sometimes I think we need to lift our eyes, look away from our circumstances, look away from whatever is trapping us, And we need to go, okay, Jesus, I'm not giving up on you because you didn't give up on me. I know you're going to come through. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But we need to listen for him to just say our name. Hey, I've got this. Danielle, I've got this. Justin, I've got this. Job coming. 
it's coming. I've got this. I've got your circumstance. I know. I know where you live. He invented GPS, okay? God's positioning service. He knows where you are, and he knows what you're going through. So don't worry about a thing. See, a generous heart will be rewarded. And then, not only did she get to hear the news first, but she was commissioned by Jesus to go and tell this awesome news of the resurrection. John 20, verse 17 says, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary of Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him what he said, and uh, that he said these things to her. Can you imagine the sprinting from that tomb back to the disciples? Because Peter and John had already been there, like, eh, well, we don't know what happened, it's empty. But now she's coming back with more news, with greater news. Not only is the tomb empty, but he, and not only is he alive over there in heaven, but he's here, and he's speaking to me. He's still here. Can you imagine that sprint? She would have won every race on earth that day. See, Mary had stayed near him when he journeyed here on earth, and she had cared for so many of his human needs until his body was laying in that tomb. But now he rewarded her. Because of her loyalty to him, he said, okay, I'm going to meet with you first. See, I think sometimes God is just waiting for us to say, okay, I haven't given up yet. I know I don't understand everything. I know I don't get everything, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to run to you. I'm going to press into you. And all we need is one word from him. It can change absolutely everything. And although this is actually the last mention that we see of Mary Magdalene, I'm absolutely convinced that she was one of the women that they talk about in the upper room. I am absolutely convinced that she didn't stop here, but she was probably there and most likely continued to journey with the disciples. Um, but Hebrews chapter 10, 35 says, says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and a great reward. Can I say this? If you put your confidence in God, if you put your confidence in who he is and not in your circumstance, if you put your trust in him and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm not giving up my confidence in you. See, sometimes we put our confidence in all the wrong things. But God says, if you put my confidence, your confidence in me, it will be greatly rewarded. It will have a great reward. It will have a glorious reward. See, in conclusion, when we look at this story, we learn about what Jesus could do for a woman. But we also learn about what a woman can do for Jesus. See, when God comes to change and transform our life, it's not just for us to keep. A generous heart wants to give that away. A generous heart wants to say, you know what I've experienced? You have to experience it too. I was in bondage, but now I'm free. I was sick, but now I'm healed. I was sad, but now I have found true joy. I was in bondage, but now I have experienced a freedom that no money can buy, that no, no doctor can bring me. So when we have that heart of true generosity, we realize that the generous heart is a free heart. A generous heart is a loyal heart. A generous heart is a thankful heart. And at the end of all that, God will reward you for that confidence in him. See, just like Mary, we love Jesus by accepting the freedom and healing that he died for already. We love him by showing him our gratefulness for his generosity for us. 
We love him by being loyal to the cause of Christ and to minister his love and his forgiveness to those around us. We love him by loving those he died for. See, the greatest form of love is that we turn it around and love the unlovable. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And 1 John 3, 16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is not talking about martyrdom. This is talking about laying our lives down to serve those around us. Jesus said himself, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Mary owed much. She gave much. She loved much. And she served much. She was generous with her time, her resources, her love. She was the last one at the grave on Good Friday. She was the first one there on Resurrection Sunday. She was the first one to see Jesus. She was the first one to tell the good news of his resurrection. She was loyal. She was brave. And we can be like her by being generous and by living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. I wanted to close with this scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says this, Remember Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. God wants us to have a generous heart that will lay down our life for those around us. Let's be generous with our love. Let's be generous with our time. Let's be generous in the lifestyle that we live so that we can live like Jesus and love like Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.